Hey there. Uh, before we get into the episode, I want to take a moment and share an update on Summer Tour the Game. Uh, it's an adventure-based board game inspired by those epic trips we all had following our favorite bands on Summer Tour, but I need your help to bring this thing to life. Our long-term goal is to see Summer Tour the Game in every head shop in the country and, and eventually available at major retailers like Target and Amazon and all those places. Uh, but before we can achieve that, we need to hit our all-or-nothing goal when we launch our Kickstarter campaign on Sunday, May 12th. We'll have 30 days to make this happen. Listen, your support would mean the world to me. Even just hitting the uh, the notify me on launch button on the Kickstarter page can make a huge impact. You can learn more by visiting summertourthegame.com where you'll find detailed information, videos, a link to the Kickstarter page. You'll also find a direct link to the page in the show notes of this episode. Uh, I do hope you'll support Summer Tour the Game. It's really fun. And thanks so much for listening to Tales from the Lot. Now on with the episode. Episode 0205, The Circus is in Town. My guest Aaron Okerson's here to talk 91521, Dead and Company at Deer Creek. And in the second half, I take a deep dive into Deer Creek 95 and the fence crash. Here we go. Hi, welcome to Tales from the Lot. This is Will. My guest today is Aaron Okerson. We're here to talk about 91521, the Dead and Company show at Deer Creek. We're changing it up a little today. How's it going, Aaron? Good. How are you? Awesome. Fantastic. And great. Glad, so glad you're here. Um, so, so you, uh, your first show was dead and company. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Kind of a, a recent one. And, uh, so, so where did you come from musically that, that got you there? So you're, you're a younger person than myself. So, uh, yeah. You know, so, um, growing up, my parents were really into Bruce Springsteen. They're huge Springsteen fans. And, um, my dad always listened to the classic, rock station here which is 104.5 and he then has switched to like classic country so i had a lot of both of those influences and um so i started when i was in school i would use pandora and i would listen to like 60s 70s and 80s radio stations and kind of learned a lot through there and that's kind of where i i mean i've heard of the grateful dead everybody's heard touch of gray like there's not right. there's not a person who hasn't yeah and if you listen to classic rock trucking's going to pop up sometimes i think it did yeah because it yeah. sounds it, the first time i heard it it sounded really familiar yeah so did you did you have some friends that said you need to come see this thing yes. or, or how yeah so where i work currently um one of my coworkers is like really into the dead she moved from california to here and um i she i we became really good friends and one day i was like you know what just give me some of these songs i'll listen to them i listened to them was not into it not a thing for me and i asked my dad about it and he was like oh, i think it's just like one really long song right i mean and i said yeah it seems like it so um And then I kind of went through some hard times in June and I was kind of just looking for something to do. And she was going to go to the Stedenko show at it's called Ruoff now with a bunch of her friends. And I was like, Oh sure. I'll go. And I found a free ticket and found like with my other coworker, who's a big fish head and she was going to go. And we ended up going together. It was a lot of fun. Got a free ticket. eh? Oh yeah. I got miracle. It was fun. Oh yeah, right there in the lot or um no, just like my coworker 
my my friend Stephanie, who is my coworker who introduced me, she said, um, oh, I know that our other coworker, Jill, has a bunch of tickets and she might just miracle you. Nice, so nice. I texted her and we ended up driving up together and she got like paid for premier parking. So we parked like really close to the door. <laughs> awesome. So you, you got there and, and, and obviously there's a big party going on when you, when you pull in. Right. So. Yeah. So we worked what, what that day. So I didn't get oh, okay. to go. Oh, that's uh, I didn't get to go to shakedown yet. Okay. Yeah. So you got there like right around showtime or. Oh yeah. Yeah. And decent seats or were you in the lawn? Uh, lawn. I yeah. prefer the lawn. I don't, I think the pavilion is way overrated. Yeah. You know, most of the time I, I, I'm with you. I like to have a little bit of room. It's, the, the seats are nice, but you're kind of confined to that seat area. Yeah. And it, and it does get hot in there. No Very doubt. Hot in there. No doubt. Um, so, all right. I'm looking up the set list here because uh, I, I got to see what they played that night. So we were a little late getting in, so we missed like two songs. I think we came in during me and my uncle, which makes me really sad because we missed Feel Like a Stranger and They Love Each Other, which are now two of my favorite dead songs. Yeah. I'm really mad that I missed. Yeah, if I had if I had the world to give, does 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 John Mayer sing that or does uh does Bobby sing oh, that? Teal sings that. Yeah. Oh Teal sings that. Oh see there yes and it's, <laughs> i think it's really good yeah that's really cool i'm gonna have to check this out yeah it's a good set i think um i showed up there and i immediately double fisted because i was like i don't know what i'm getting into I'm, i had to go get two drinks <laughs> and i downed them really quick and um i ended up peeing through half of this set list as well <laughs> or getting water wow. But yeah, but the times you were out there, they're like, uh, like, I mean, was it, was it life changing that first time? I mean, how many, how many times yes. have you gone back since then? Like, yeah, I have not it. seen a dead Co since, but, um, I have seen a cover band high rider and I've seen them probably five or six times. And, um, it, it was pretty life changing for a little bit. I was like, Ugh, I still don't know if this is for me, but, mm-hmm. um, Bobby saying a hard rain's gonna fall, and I was like, "Oh man, this guy is like he's up there. He's doing great." It just it. I thought that was probably the the moment that I was like, "Oh, this is this is for me. This is good." Yeah. Were you you're a Dylan fan before? I yes, I've heard you know the normal Dylan songs. Um, I actually right before that song had started, I said, "Do they ever do any covers?" kind of thinking maybe oh i might hear some other song that i know that's not theirs but um and then they start into a cover it was great you know yeah that's cool. yeah, that's a great dylan song too i love that song yeah so okay so you're talking about high rider what do they play where do they play at around indie do they what, what um they, they normally do the mousetrap okay okay which is a little fun spot but i've seen them at the hi-fi which is in fountain square and there they have this like it's called the hi-fi annex it's literally like it feels like you're going to a speakeasy because you're like walking around all these buildings and then you go to the back and it's just this like big open corridor it's pretty fun um but they normally play at the mousetrap Master, yeah i've heard of that place is that it's been around a while right it's, i know i moved I out of there like 2000 and i'm not sure if it was there yet i don't remember 
I think the sign says like it's been around since 1957, but I doubt it was the mousetrap in 1957. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna have to look into that. Maybe we could are they are so high rider? Are they like a local band around the Midwest? Um, like, I, I don't yeah, think they're pretty people. local. They do a lot of like Illinois. They're from here, so they do a lot here. Like they had a show in Bloomington a few weeks ago that I went to, and it was, that was an amazing set list, almost life changing. Um, they do they, um, do they mainly stick to dead covers, or do they do uh, do other? They do. Well? They do Bob Dylan. They do um, a lot of Almond Brothers too. Every once in a while, like they did Whipping Post one time. I saw them. They also do uh, JGB, which I'm really getting into lately. Um, what else have they? I think they normally just do Dead, JGB, and Bob Dylan, and they do Almond Brothers every once in a while. Cool. Yes, yeah, kind of standard Dead cover yeah. fair. That's awesome though. Um, I have to check them out. I, I, like uh, we were talking earlier, a buddy of mine uh, posts on Facebook about them all the time, and uh, I've seen some clips in here and there, and, and yeah, they sound really good. <clears throat> yeah. So okay, so I'm looking more down this uh, this Dead and Company set list. It looks like they played a Dark Star. That was That's definitely nice. interesting. I definitely was um, in the bathroom for that, but I could still hear it, and I was like, "What the hell am I listening to right now?" <laughs> um. Nice. I remember St. Stephen, my friends that I was with said that that was the first time they'd played it in a while. Mm-hmm. I haven't actually looked into uh-huh. that. I don't really know, but that is also yeah, yeah. one of my top favorite songs. Yeah, that's a great song. I'm looking, it says they, they played it two times that year. So, Oh yeah. In my yeah, next to the, friends yeah. with the, the other show, which was their last show on Halloween. Got it. Um, are you planning on? Are, do they have a? They have a. Their summer tour has been released, right? Uh, where they're going this summer? I don't think so, unless it's been released like two seconds ago. Yeah, I don't think so. I know Bob Weir's going around with um, Wolf Brothers. Wolf Brothers, yeah, that's what it was. I saw. Which he was just here the other day, and my friend Stephanie went, and. Um, at the original set list had turn on your love light. And that has now kind of become my song that I really like to follow. And that's the kind of the song that changed my life. I was like, Oh, I fucking, there's so much now that I have to look forward to. And, um, they got, they got love lighted there. And I was like, God, I was going to go. I was so mad. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't seen them live, uh, but I saw they were coming through here. I saw uh, a webcast uh, not too long ago uh, during the pandemic or whatever, and uh, um, Jay Lane is playing drums for him, which is so just so weird. I was I, as a kid, as a little kid, I was a huge Primus fan, and and I always knew Jay from that, and then just seeing him playing with Bobby all the time is just just weird for me. Yeah, <laughs> going from Primus world, to that. Right? Yeah, yeah, indeed. It's a and it's weird to see him so restrained versus when he when he plays with Les Claypool and and just becomes a, a maniac like Joe, like Joe Russo or something. Okay, cool. Have you seen yeah? Have you seen any uh, J Rad shows? Do you like them at all? I have not. They haven't been around. Well, I mean, I don't think they've been around here. Mm-hmm. But I would go. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's a good time. I mean, it's a it's definitely a different kind of thing where um they they in, they they interpret the songs and uh they take it they take it places. It's it's a different kind of interpretation though. It's unique uh to I think the the standard Grateful Dead cover band. Uh they cool. do neat things with it. Yeah, check them out if they come through there. Definitely will. One of my um life goals now is to see Phil Lesh and friends which he has all these shows coming up, but they're nowhere near me and I don't have the money to go. <laughs> yeah. He pretty much just hangs around in Northern California and along the coast. It seems uh, yeah. maybe Vegas or something like that. I've, I, I've seen him maybe he's played at uh, the, the Brooklyn bowl or something every five years or something like that. It's not all mm-hmm. that often, but you know, if I were uh, 80, whatever, I probably wouldn't want to travel too far either, you know? No, probably not. No, <laughs> I think he has a lot coming up where garden. Oh yeah. Which is always oh, coming out East. It'd be cool. Yeah. yeah. Probably won't go to that. That's a little closer to you. Yeah. I might. Yeah. I, I need to check that out. I haven't, I haven't seen uh Phil and friends since I don't know, to, uh, early two thousands, probably or something like that. Maybe 2010 or something. It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I I like O'Teal and all, but it wouldn't it be cool if he was the bass player for that for Dead and Company, you know? Yeah, I don't I, know. I don't know if it'd be any faster. I don't. I don't think so. I asked my, <laughs> you know, my Deadhead friends, why is Phil not in Dead and Co? And they think that there was some sort of beef between him and the drummers, which I mean, there could have been. I don't really know. They've been in the same band Maybe. for 55 years, so you never know. <laughs> right. I I understood it was him and Bobby for whatever reason, and it had something to do with uh, music rights and, and publishing rights and, and what's getting released and what's not, and they just don't agree and don't like to hang out that much. That's my, my rumor mill, but it's probably not true. <laughs> it changes. It changes. Yeah, it does. Um, it, it, it's probably more to do with Phil just likes to chill with his family and enjoy the life that he's built for himself over the last 50 years, you know? Yeah. Which, why wouldn't you? Who knows? It sounds like a good plan. Yeah. To me. yeah. Um, but, you know, John Mayer, he's doing his thing and, and it's in and O'Teal's, you know, that it's cool having young folks in there, I think to, to, to keep it energized. Um, and, you know, even if they're not speeding it up any, they're still keeping Bobby young and, and the drummers too. Yeah. I thought it was really cool that there were still original members in the band because I, like I said, I'm really into like seventies and eighties rock and roll. So I've seen heart many times. I've seen, um, sticks many times. Chicago and REO Speedwagon. I've seen them a lot. I actually have tickets to go see Eagles tomorrow. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. I um, went through a huge Eagles phase when I first started driving. I got really good at changing CDs in my car at stoplights or <laughs> while I'm driving. Nice. Yeah, the Eagles are good stuff. You know, that that's something. The Dead yeah. never played any Eagles covers, did they? I don't think. I don't, I don't think they, so. They should have played like Already Gone or something. That'd be a good Jerry. That would have been like good. JGB. I think they would have. Yeah. Those shoes probably would have been good for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
That's too bad JGB didn't cover some Eagles. That, that'd be a good fit for them. Yeah. <laughs> Here, Melvin, open out some organ on that. That'd be good stuff. I feel like everybody else did that, so they probably thought, oh, we're good. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> you got... I'm looking more at the set list here. So Death Don't Have No Mercy, Love Light, and Black Muddy River. That's a good song. I actually left. I left right after Love Light because I didn't want to wait in the traffic. <laughs> so I left and I heard Black Muddy River on my way to the car. And I was like, God, I should have stayed. This is, uh. I think I actually, because I listened to the set list after I sent it. And um, I was like, oh, damn, I should have stayed. This is such a good jam. Should have mm. stayed. So they, so what, you know, um, did, did you go back the, the next day or what was that? What was the situation with that night? Was there another show? The that was their night? only show. Oh. They didn't have another, which I kind of found, which I've since found out is pretty weird. Yeah. Yeah, usually it's like a two night thing or whatever. And, and and when when Jerry was with them, they were doing you know they're in ninety, I think ninety one and ninety two were two nights, and then ninety three and ninety four were three nights, and then I think ninety five was only scheduled to be two nights, but then the second one got canceled because of the fence thing. Yeah. Um, um, my really good friend Regan was there, and she was like right by the fence, and she got pepper sprayed. Or yeah, it was sad. I was I was about halfway down the lawn, and uh, it was. I mean, like, yeah, it was bad. You know, like, so Deer Creek has all that sidewalk and all the restrooms over in concessions. Like, yeah, it, there was no empty space. Like, all that was full. The restroom concession area was full, shoulder like not shoulder to shoulder, but but full. The lawn was full. The, yeah. the aisleway was full. It was insane, and it was dumb, and and it. When I went for this show, it it was pretty packed. It definitely wasn't that packed, but it was kind of hard to walk through the sidewalks. Which, and of yeah. course, you know, you're hugging everybody and you're saying hello to the, all these people you don't know. <laughs> for sure, but it was it was pretty packed. Yeah, yeah. This one this one was sold out, but yeah, once the fence came down, then it was definitely way oversold out, <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. Yeah, I don't wait. wait they kept uh, going. Fence went down. Oh yeah. So so that you know they get through halfway through the first set and and they're playing Desolation Row and during that song, pe- people are just coming over the fence and then they just start going through the fence and tearing it down and and uh, and and the whole band is looking on in horror because you can see it in their face like as they watch this happen. Yeah, um, and they finish the setup and and I don't remember it was maybe one or two more songs after desolation row. And then, and they played a whole second set too. And, uh, but yeah, like I said, they left the lights on. Um, I heard later because of a death threat, but I, I assumed at the time it was just because there were so many people in there now that they just needed for, you know, for safety reasons. So people could see where they were going without running into people <laughs> or whatever. I assumed that they just stopped after that. I was, I never knew that they continued. No, nah. nah, they kept going. My uh, dad once told me that him and his buddies used to jump the fence to get into shows for free. I believe, you know, before that, there was nothing going on back there. Um, I think there was a small, like, waist-high chain-length fence. And you could, 
or chain link fence rather. And, and you could jump over it and just run up the hill and, and, and get over the fence. And uh, I never tried that uh, because most shows, I, I don't know, didn't sell out a lot of times it seemed like, and they weren't that expensive. I mean, I remember going to shows where it was $20 a car load and, and my buddy had this giant, 70s blazer that we could fit like nine people in and it was twenty dollars for the whole car to go in and see like bad company or uh we saw sticks one time we saw um like you know all that era of uh of rock and roll and 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 damn yankees and and uh, (laughs) you know 20 bucks come on in and uh it sounds pretty great it it was and and like i was saying earlier and then like you know I, i was about to go see the dead and um it was 94 at Soldier Field and and tickets were $32. And, and I think that was the first time I remember them being over 30. And I was like, what, what is $32? I can't afford to go. I can't afford to throw down $64 to go see two shows uh, and drive up to Chicago and, and, yeah. and all that. And that was before fees because I would go stand in line at Ticketmaster, you know, and just get them for face or whatever. When I got my first job, me and my coworker went to go see Adele. And I paid four hundred dollars a ticket. Ow, ow! And it was it was worth it. I would do it again. It was. I mean, it was pretty good. Yeah, I mean that's epic. I mean, it, there there's only one Adele for real. My friend lives a few streets over from Ruoff because now there's things there. It's not not just a bunch of empty fields. There's things there, and I'm mm-hmm. really hoping she's going to let me crash at her house. And just go back and forth. Oh yeah, that'll be easy. Yeah, I've heard all those those new tenants there have been complaining about the uh, the 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 volume or something coming out of the amphitheater. It's like it's like moving in next to a uh, an airport, complaining about airplanes. They're like, come on, Karen's will be Karen's. <laughs> you know, you know what's here. You moved in next door to it. Don't don't complain about it. You know, you got a deal on your house because you live next to an amphitheater. I'm sure, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. People are crazy. So, my uncle used to be a taper oh. for the dead fish. And I, I think he was more fish and widespread panic, but he might have done mm-hmm. some dead at some point. I haven't seen that panic. Was- uh, I, I've heard him a bit, but uh, not really my thing. Like, just, I don't know. It's kind of different. I prefer the Almond Brothers when it comes to Southern Rock. Yeah, not a big government mule panic person. Yeah, I don't know. It's the vocals for me. They're just, uh, I don't know, something about it. Not my taste. Talking Heads is pretty good, though. I know they're not Southern Rock at all, but. <laughs> yeah, I'm all good. about the Talking Heads. Yeah, David Byrne and the Talking Heads for sure. Any, I'm, yeah, anything sort of 80s, I'm, I'm, I'm into that whole thing. Uh, drum, drum machines and synthesizers, and that's that's what I do in my oh, yeah. time. <laughs> It's good stuff. You know, I, I, I really just, I love all music. And, and when I came to the dead, it was like at the time I was, I was real into like hair bands and, and all that stuff. It was the early nineties and, and Nirvana and all that had just come around and that wasn't really my taste, but my buddy took me to see the dead in 91. And I was like, wow, this is like a whole culture and society of people who are sort of living outside of what's going on mainstream, or at least at least escaping it for a little bit while they go do this. And, uh, that really appealed to me that, that, you know, everybody was happy and there wasn't politics involved and there wasn't, 
you know, any of that. It was just a place to go and have a good time. Um, when having a good time was sort of still allowed and, uh, you know, it, it is now too, but it was definitely a lot more freewheeling before we had cell phones for sure. <laughs> I was leaving. I was like, what are all these dudes walking around with balloons? What is going on? Are they just trying to send to these kids or, and he's yeah. like waving them around. Yeah. $20 for a balloon. <laughs> I had mentioned it at work the next day and my friend Steph goes, you idiot. That was nitrous. <laughs> <laughs> One time I, I was at Buckeye Lake and, and my buddy and I uh, had driven there uh, with another friend and we didn't really I think this was 93 and we didn't know where we were going to stay and we, we were going to find a hotel or a campground or something. And we pull into this gas station parking lot and um, this guy just walks up and, and there was a few of us cars there kind of talking and figuring out, you know, where we're going to stay for the night or whatever. And nobody we knew, just some other hippies, we figured that out. And a guy came along and said, hey, anybody need a place to stay? I know the concert's going on. $20 a car. You can stay in my my backyard. And uh, so us three cars there or whatever said, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. Or maybe it was four cars. Paid him our 20 bucks and we followed him down to his house and pulled into his backyard. And um, there were these two girls and these two guys and they were couples. And one of the girls' dad uh, was a dentist and she had one of those giant tanks, like, like, the, like the ones that are as big wow. as you are. Like, just like the huge ones. She had taken yeah. from her dad's dentist office somehow. And so their boyfriends are like, okay, we're going to go to the liquor store. We'll be back. See you in a minute. So an hour goes by, two hours go by, and the dudes never came back. And so one of the girls is like, you guys want some balloons? Cause we're going to, we're going to, we got this tank. And, and so we're, <laughs> there's like just balloons everywhere all over that yard after like two or three hours. And finally, like three, four hours later that the boyfriends come back and they're all pissed. Like, what are you doing? Giving up with this, this nitrous. And she's like, dude, this is my nitrous. Like what? <laughs> He's like, yeah, but this is our tour money. He's like, this is my tour money. She says, not your tour money. You're along with me and it's my nitrous. And, and they storm off and never came back. And then uh, one of the friends I was with ends up talking to this girl and they become a couple and she ends up moving from Pennsylvania to Indianapolis and uh, to Muncie and living with us. And it turned into a whole, a whole uh, dramatic event in the end. <laughs> <laughs> but it yeah, all started with a big giant how it works, <laughs> Yeah, it all started with a big giant nitrous balloon party in this dude's backyard somewhere near Buckeye Lake, Ohio. Uh That's and great. It turned into a, a, a lifelong friendship uh, with somebody. So yeah, it was it was pretty cool. Uh this, That's great. Again, this band does that stuff. You you meet people that you just know uh forever and and uh the, and they're usually unique people on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other day was St. Patrick's Day, and I had a dead shirt on, and I was at my local watering hole, and my cousins came with some of their coworkers, and this one of her coworkers was like, "Oh, I love your shirt." And I said, "I'm actually a fan. I'm not just wearing a shirt." <laughs> and I swear to God, I talked to that guy about fish, goose, ping pong, pigeons playing ping pong, yeah, uh, the dead for a good three hours. <laughs> just on St. Patrick's Day, we're we're just talking about it. It was it was a great time, and we decided nice. that we're gonna meet up at all these concerts. Like Goose is coming here, Humphreys McGee is coming here, Billy Strings coming, 
So we're going to meet up at these places. And I was like, oh, well, we need to get my cousin to go. And he just turns to my cousin and goes, uh, you're going to be at these concerts. You're going to need to get tickets. Just so you know, <laughs> you'll be buying Aaron a drink. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Right on. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for being on. Um, you know, usually when I wrap this thing up, I, I ask for like a recommendation or something that's like a book or a TV show or a, or an album or a, or something, you know, like some, a movie, something that you think is just, just made you say, wow. And, uh, would be, uh, of interest to anybody who's listening. Um, I'm going to go with the great Gatsby. It's a good book. I don't know if other, a bunch of people have read it. But it's a good book. It's a good movie. It might be a classic. It might be a classic. But I'm pretty sure it is a classic. <laughs> but it's a classic for a reason. And so there you have it. There's the uh, there's the recommendation. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you very much. I, I appreciate you coming on and, and talking about, you know, the the Dead and Company and High Rider and, and everything else. It was a pleasure. No problem. Thank you for having me. All right. After my conversation with Aaron, it got me thinking about Deer Creek 95 and the fence crashing and the, the shows that led up to that and after that and just kind of that whole tour. And I wanted to take a closer look at that. Overall, I saw 25 concerts at Deer Creek from 89 through 1998. Nine of those were Grateful Dead shows, including my first Dead show in 91. On July 2nd, 1995, I was standing on that grassy hill debating if I should continue to see the Grateful Dead or take a break for a while and use those funds for other shows or things or whatever. I hadn't seen any shows in 95 yet, but I'd heard some, and the buzz in the community was that the band was not putting on the best performances lately. And as the first set started, it was obvious Jerry had no energy or focus. And for the rest of the band, the spirit seemed to be missing on this night in Indiana. But let's back up. And let's look at some events leading up to Deer Creek 95. And as the 95 East Coast Summer Tour started, or, or as some call it, the Tour of Doom, it was clear that it was all too much. On the first stop, there are various accounts that cite anywhere from 15 to 20,000 people showed up without tickets to Franklin County Airport Field in Highgate, Vermont on June 15, 1995. And that at least 10,000 of those people ended up inside the show. Some say the gate was crashed, but I believe the overall consensus is the gates were opened to prevent injury to any fans and staff and just to stop kind of the stampede that might happen. As the next few tour stops rolled along, Jerry was visibly and audibly falling apart on stage. He needed a break right then, not after the tour, not in the coming, coming winter, but literally right then. There were still thousands coming out every night without tickets and noticeably more people were there just to sell to the masses with no interest in the music or intention to go inside. And when the dead came through, it seems it's as Dylan and later Bobby said, circus is in town. We continue the string of unfortunate events as the band made a stop at RFK Stadium in DC with Bob Dylan as the opener. Just before showtime, three concert goers are struck by lightning outside the venue as they hide beneath a tree for cover out of the rainstorm. Massive crowds were still showing up as the tour moved through Auburn Hills and Pittsburgh, and of course, after Deer Creek, 
The tour continued on its path of destruction as over 100 people were injured in the St. Louis area when a patio deck collapsed at a local campground that was full of deadheads who were in town for the shows. Additionally, there was also a separate overdose-related death that night. But on this day, I pulled into Deer Creek and remember a lot more people in the lot early in the day than in previous years. And in turn, there was a much heavier police presence. The lot was packed, and as I walked around Shakedown, it had turned into a sprawling metropolis of commerce. There was definitely something strange in the air, a tension or an uncomfortable feeling, for me at least. The crowds had changed a bit in my time seeing the band, and it was starting to feel more like a Jimmy Buffett concert outside than a community with a shared love of this music and spirit. Some say it had been going that direction since the 80s, but I can only speak of 91 through 95, and it was a huge difference. I entered the venue with a few friends and found a spot in the center of the lawn about halfway up. Uh, The feeling was slightly better inside, but it still felt off and unusual for some reason. And I realized that no amount of Middle America Beaster Jays was going to fix it. It was just a weird night. Jerry struggled to play guitar and even look up for the first few songs. And by the time they got to Broken Arrow, I'd made my decision that after summer 95, I was going to take a break from the dead for a while. But it was during the following Desolation Row when 3,000 people, that number according to the police, ran up the hill and began to disassemble the back fence and enter the venue at the top of the hill. I was unaware it was going on until my buddy tapped me on the shoulder and pointed up the hill at the destruction and, and pieces of the fence were coming down everywhere and unbelievably, those on the inside were helping break the wall and helping the people come over. It was just a deluge of people in an already sold-out concert, and you could see the plumes of tear gas wafting up in the sky behind them up in the background. Uh, Police did use tear gas and dogs to push the crowd back, and finally they left uh, a bunch of police at the top of the hill for the duration of the show. By this time, every spot inside was full from the walkway between the pavilion and the lawn to the concessions and restroom area, just everywhere, completely full. The band could easily see what was happening, and I will never forget the sad and mystified look on Bobby and the rest of the band as they watched. I can't even imagine the things they were thinking that was going through their head, you know, with the Highgate so recently happening, and who knows. But Tennessee Jed and Let It Grow Rap set one, and I was certain they were going to cancel the rest of the show. However, they did return for a second set with full house lights on the entire time, like full bright lights. In the moment, it seemed obvious that the bright lights were because of the fence crashing. However, we all later found out that they had planned to keep the house lights on already due to death threats that had been phoned into the venue. Uh, According to Grateful Dead publicist Dennis McNally, these threats were phoned in by a disturbed person who blamed Jerry for stealing his girlfriend, metaphorically, literally, or otherwise. Jerry, by the way, wasn't worried, or maybe he just didn't care. The second set had a few timely and well-placed songs in Victim of the Crime, It's All Too Much, and New Speedway Boogie. It was surprisingly peppy and energetic musically, likely due to the band feeling a little anxious and on edge about the events. That strange feeling in the air, though, from earlier in the day, it was still there and only intensified as we exited the show and filed out to a massive police presence and seeing the busted fence from the outside and feeling of confusion and disbelief at what we had all just seen. 17 people involved with the storming of the fence were arrested. There were also reports that so many people came that day without tickets that some with tickets to the show were not able to enter the sold-out parking lot and were forced to park roadside, outside the venue, and then walk in. 
they returned after the show to find that their cars had been towed for being illegally parked. News reports cited that over 150 cars were towed near Deer Creek that evening. It was all over the news the following morning that the show had been canceled for night two and the band put out this message to all of us. Starts with the heading, This Darkness Got to Give. Dear Deadheads, this is the way it looks to us from the stage. Your justly renowned tolerance and compassion have set you up to be used. At Deer Creek, we watched many of you cheer on and help a thousand fools kick down the fence and break into the show. We can't play music and watch plywood flying around endangering people. The security and police whom those people endangered represent us, work for us. Think of them as us. You can't expect mellow security if you're throwing things at them. The saboteurs who did this can only do it if all deadheads allow them to. Your reputation is at stake. Don't you get it? Over the past 30 years, we've come up with the fewest possible rules to make the difficult act of bringing tons of people together work well. And a few thousand so-called deadheads ignore those simple rules and screw it up for you, us, and everybody. We've never before had to cancel a show because of you. Think about it. If you don't have a ticket, don't come. This is real. This is first a music concert, not a free-for-all party. Secondly, don't vend. Vending attracts people without tickets. Many of the people without tickets have no responsibility or obligation to our scene. They don't give a shit. They act like idiots. They think it's just a party to get as trashed as possible. We're all supposed to be about higher consciousness, not drunken stupidity. It's up to you as deadheads to educate these people and to pressure them into acting like deadheads instead of maniacs. They can only get away with this crap if you let them. The old slogan is true. If you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. Want to end the touring life of the Grateful Dead? Allow bottle-throwing gate crashers to keep on thinking they're cool anarchists instead of the creeps they are. Want to continue it? Listen to the rules and pressure others to do so. A few more scenes like Sunday night and we'll quite simply be unable to play. The spirit of the Grateful Dead is at stake and we'll do what we have to do to protect it. And when you hear somebody say, fuck you, we'll do what we want, remember something. That applies to us too. And then it's signed here at the bottom. Billy, Jerry, Phil, Mickey, Bobby, Vince, the whole group. Um, so that's pretty heavy stuff. Um, I'm just going to leave you with with one more comment. Keller was right. Gatecrashers suck. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please consider hitting the subscribe button and leaving a comment. Your feedback and engagement really goes a long way to supporting and growing the show. And really, this is your show with your stories. So if you have a story or even a few of them from seeing Grateful Dead shows or experiences of how the band has impacted your life in some way, I'd love to hear from you and have you on. My email is will at talesfromthelot.org. Reach out. Uh, or you could use the new text me feature that's in the show notes. You can easily reach out and connect with me directly that way. And don't forget to follow on Facebook for updates and exclusive content. And for those who prefer watching, full videos of every episode are available on my YouTube channel. So uh, thanks again. And please be kind to yourself and others.